I believe that the whole purpose for the series that God has led me to start is to teach us as a people how to go from the realm of our soul to living from the realm of our spirit. The issue often is that our soul is so wild. It's, there's good that comes out of our soul, but there's also crazy that comes out of our soul. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know that person. Good can come out of our soul, but crazy can come out of our soul too. And the soul is a place of conflict. Sometimes it's a place of torment. The soul can be good to us, but it can also drive us to those crazy places or dark places or hurt places. You see, Jesus said, he took a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was prophesying about the Christ to come, the Messiah. And the prophet said under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. And when you read that in the Hebrew, it literally says, those who have a fractured soul. You know, companies, corporations make a big thing about having a mission statement. That's become the fad in the last 20 years. Never heard anyone talk about mission statement. Last 20 years, it's the buzz language of the industry. And we talk about, well, what's your mission statement? You've got to have a mission statement to be focused. Up until then, I had been living for 40 years without a mission statement, and I felt pretty focused. But anyway, Jesus had the original mission statement. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. Every one of us have issues in our soul that Jesus died to set us free from and to heal it. Memories, hurts, wounds, things that tormented us at different stages in different ways, many different types of formats. He came to set at liberty those that have been bruised. That's what Jesus said. So when Jesus came out of the wilderness after he was tempted, he walked into one of the local synagogues and they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And of all the scriptures or scrolls they handed him, you got to understand, we have the Bible in one book. They had many scrolls of parchment and they pulled out. It was time to read from the prophet Isaiah. They handed it to him and the Bible says he opened it up until he came to this portion. This was his mission statement. We just sang about God's goodness. Jesus came to heal all the trouble, all the brokenness in our soul. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He came. You don't have to stay the way you have been. You don't have to continually struggle with depression or torment or inferiority or whatever those things might be. Jesus came to set us free, to heal us. And so when he read it, he said to bind up the brokenhearted, to uh, preach the good news, the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of God's favor, and to set at liberty those that are bruised. If you read the Gospels, you'll see that many times Jesus would cast out a spirit and heal them. Connection. Because lots of times trauma, 
wounds, bruises, hurts, disappointment, rejection, opens doors in our soul, and that becomes a moment of entrance where a spirit of darkness can put a stronghold and manipulate us in a, either a mental way, an emotional way, or even a physical way. Mm, that's good preaching, Pastor Ron. Amen. We have to understand. You read your Gospels. Come on, read them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll see often that he would cast out a spirit and heal them. And the soul becomes, you know, Joyce Myers talks about the mind as the battlefield. Well, the soul is the realm of the mind and your emotions. And when there's a battle going on in my mind, my emotions are right there with it. Hello? The soul is the place where we fall apart. The soul is the place that we have conflict and torment. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free and to heal us in our soul. Isaiah 11 verse 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. When this is about Jesus, and the spirit of understanding is on Jesus, all of those things are on Jesus because they're in God. God understands us. In Psalm 103, verse 14, the first part of the verse, David says, For he knows how we are formed. God gets us. He understands us. He knows what happens in our childhood. You've never discussed that stuff with me, have you? You've only been coming to the church maybe four or five weeks. Never had a discussion. But God knows how we get wired. The enemy saw that way back there around the age of 12, this little girl tormenting you, probably spurred on by a spirit of conflict that's raging in her own life, just whatever. And it's like circuitry. And he wires you up. He solders in. And he wires you up with hot buttons, trip wires, landmines, uh, and it, it causes bruises inside of us, which then opens us up to other problems and conflict. So, uh, God understands us. The problem is often we don't understand us. And so this series is designed to help you understand who you are. And sometimes you think, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm three different people. Well, we are spirit, soul, and body. And all three parts of you are active and very much alive. I have a spirit, and it can think, and it can hear from God. It has its own set of eyes. It has its own set of ears. Listen to me. Uh, spirit. Spirit doesn't know age. When you're carrying a child, Steffi, Stephanie, you're carrying a child, that child's spirit is already hearing and seeing. So many times, moms who carried their baby and they were in church the whole time, when that baby's born and I'm preaching, it has happened over and over and over again. That child is watching me like this here because they recognize the voice. But you don't have to believe that. Mary came and met with her with Elizabeth, and the moment they came into the same room with each other, the Bible says that the baby inside of Elizabeth leapt. 
consciously not cognizant, but spiritually aware. Your spirit has understanding. Your spirit has eyesight. It has hearing. It can see. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, here we see that we are spirit, soul, and body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, we see in the Bible, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you a little diagram to help you. Let's put that up there. You are a spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. What part of an iceberg do you see? The top. Which is the biggest part of the iceberg? The bottom. And the soul and the spirit relate more to that invisible spirit realm and it's the unseen, the flesh. Uh, maybe for you, 10% of you is what we see. I'm a little bit bigger, so you see 20% of me. <laughs> I've got to work off a little bit more weight lately. I've put some on after Christmas and New Year's. But uh, we are predominantly spirit. And before the fall... God designed man to be first and foremost a spirit being. I mentioned divine order last week, and I pointed out how the world says we are body, soul, and spirit. Nah, we're spirit, soul, and body. Unfortunately, after the fall, we are primarily soul and body, or body and soul, and virtually no spirit. And the problem where we have struggles in our humanity is that we live from our soul, we live from our body, uh, I won't go there yet. Uh, so there is a divine order, spirit, soul, and body. We were meant to be a spiritual being expressing ourselves through the soul and the body. Our spirit is where we have interaction with God's spirit. I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. I'm not just going to throw this stuff out because I heard someone else say it. 90% uh, of everything I preach, it's me, God, and my Bible, and uh, the Hebrew and the Greek. And uh, so here, our spirit is where we have interaction with God's spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Spirit, every time it's capital S, it talks of the Spirit of God. Every time it's a little s, it's man's Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit Himself, testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. Spirit to Spirit. Deep speaks to deep, David said. Spirit speaks to Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to communicate with your Spirit. The Spirit was set aside to have relationship with God, and it was designated and ordained to do that. Let me give you another scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. You're one with Him in your spirit. It's in your spirit that we have relationship with the Lord. It's spirit to spirit. Everybody's seeing this. 
This is important to understand because I'm going to help you to recognize, you know, God understands us. We need to understand us. The problem isn't that God doesn't get us. The problem is sometimes we don't get us. The problem is your husband doesn't get you. The problem is your wife doesn't get you. The problem is your children don't get you. The problem is the whole world doesn't get us. When are they going to wake up and get smart, right? I'm going to go back over here. They like me more. (laughs) The problem is sometimes we don't understand what's going on inside of us. God gets us. So I want you to understand who you are. You are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. And over the series, I'm going to teach you how to recognize what is your soul what your soul sounds like, what your soul looks like, because your soul will, will, be your, will often be one of your ugly faces. Your soul can be good, but your soul can be bad. If you were a baseball batter, you want your averages to get higher and higher, right? So here we are, as good Christians, we want to live more and more with the right face. Can I get an amen? amen. Absolutely. And so... Uh, <clears throat> Your spirit is where you have relationship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind, the soul is the realm of your mind, your emotions, and your will. My mind is unfruitful. Wow. So when I get into deep spiritual activity and I'm praying in tongues, my spirit is talking directly to God And he doesn't even need my brain. How many of you ever noticed sometimes your brain gets in the way? You know why it gets in the way? Because it has records of past things and past perspectives and past hurts, past things that have been taught to you and drummed into you, and it's all that garbage that interferes and often screams so loud that we don't hear from the Spirit because we're so used to hearing from the soul. Am I getting through? Okay. So you're not quiet because I've lost you. And you're not quiet because it's not making sense. Good. Thank God. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. I just needed that for my soul. My soul was telling me, they don't like you. They don't like you. I got to say, shut up, soul. Shut up, soul. Watch this. So what will I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. You see, the soul can be good and it could be troublesome. So Paul says, I will pray with my spirit because out of my spirit, it'll only always be right. But then I'll also pray with my understanding. I will also pray with my soul too. I want my spirit to dominate my soul because that'll always be my best face. It'll always be your best face. Amen. Romans chapter 9, verse 1. Paul says, God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. How constantly I remember you. 
the Spirit was designated to only have relationship with God. It's where we hear God. It's where we talk to God. It's where we feel God. It's where we see God. It's where we taste God. Yeah, taste God. It's where you smell God. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophets constantly prophesied. God said, tell these people they have eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. So why didn't the prophet just get out and heal their blind eyes? No, he's talking about their spiritual eyes. Your soul is so overpowering. How many of you ever met people whose personality is very overpowering? You never get a word in edgewise, Right? Everyone, don't look to the left or the right while you're raising your hand. Just look straight ahead or look down. Okay. The soul is so overpowering that we don't see from the Spirit. We don't hear from the Spirit. The soul is yelling, white noise, loud noise, dark noise, all kinds of distraction. But the Spirit is where we have relationship with God. The soul is the realm of our mind and our emotions and our will. Last week, I said to you, uh, just put that screen up um, before we go there. The soul is the realm of our mind, our emotions, and our will. The soul is the realm of your mind, your emotions. How many of you have one of those? All right. The soul is the realm of our mind, our emotions, our will. Everybody has a soul. And last week I said, while the words heart and soul are two different words in the New Testament, both in the English and in the Greek, okay, they are two different words. They are one and the same in that they are always shown to have the same function in their description. So sometimes you'll read the word heart, sometimes you'll read the word soul. The, the word heart in the Bible, cardia, is never ever used to describe the physical pump that pumps your blood. It is always describing the process of your mind, your intellect, and the responses of your emotions and that part of you that engages, it acts, your will. And so the heart is always referring to the mind, the will, and the emotions. The same with your soul. It's the center of your character, your, your personality, who you are in essence. You are first and foremost a spirit, but your soul brings with it character. Okay. So, uh, so I, I, I said last week that it's two words, but they really are the same thing even though they're two separate words, even in the Greek, but they always describe the same functions, and I proved it, and I'll do it again real quickly. They are both the place of mental intellect and the exercise of one's will. Watch. Let's go to the first verse, Matt. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you've decided in your heart. It's a place of reason. It's a place of intellect. And it's a place of decision. It's the will and the intellect is in your heart. But then the Bible also uses the word soul to describe the same. Luke chapter 12, verse 19. And I will say to my soul, 
So he's talking to his soul, and he's going to reason with his soul. Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Reason, intellect, and decisions of will come out of the soul. They are one and the same. And I'm doing this so that when you read your Bible, you don't get confused because there's different terms. Everybody with me? I'm doing this so that you will start to recognize as we move forward what your soul looks like, what your soul sounds like. Because your soul can be a, a place where good stuff happens, where good comes out of you, but it can also be a place where bad will come out of you. And so I want to silence or discipline or subdue my soul especially since my spirit is where only the goodness of God will come out of. I want to live out of my spirit. How many of you want to live out of your spirit? Put, 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 put your hands down. How many of you want the person next to you to live out of their spirit? All right, just playing with you. Okay. Uh, the soul and the heart is the place of emotions. All right, they're both the place of emotion. So let's do that. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. It's the place of emotion. Let's go to the next scripture. Uh, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, the soul doesn't only have sorrow. I could give you verses for joy and excitement. We don't have time to do a full expose. Uh, come to Bible school. I'll take you deeper, all right? Uh, but the soul and the heart describe the same functions, all right? They're the place of the intellect, the place of will. They're the place of emotion. The body is the part of us that interacts with the elements of the world through our five senses. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Okay, now, I want to get into some cool stuff. You ready? Open your Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. You know, Genesis is called in the beginning, or Genesis, it is the book of beginnings. Not just because of the creation story. In Genesis is the beginning of every truth. Every major doctrine of the Bible has its origin in the book of beginnings, and it is tied up and has its conclusion in the book of Revelations. Just trust me, that, that's a cool fact. But anyway, so Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1 to 7. This is the beginning of our problems. Everybody say, this is the beginning of man's trouble. And so we're going to go back to the beginning like a good sleuth, and we're going to see what went wrong. We're going to diagnose this. We're going to analyze it so that when things inside of us start to misfunction, misfire, and go haywire, we'll be able to stick it up according to the pattern and see what's manifesting. Somebody just said, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> Verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. 
And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Stop. Number one, she didn't say God said we could eat from all the trees as much as we want except only one. And then she she didn't say that. She left that out. She said we could eat from the trees. She played down the goodness of God. And then she upped something that God didn't say. We can't even touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. Let's keep going. Or you will die. Verse 4. You won't certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. Please remember that phrase, your eyes will be opened. And you will, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 5. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye... And desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was standing there with his mouth shut, just following along like a wet noodle, who was with her, and he ate it. I want you to see something. Matt, I don't know, uh, I didn't have time this morning because I was racing around, and I don't know if you can put this next part on the screen or if you had planned to put this next part on the screen. But Adam and Eve were tempted to take offense at God. What did that affect? He said, God, you're not going to die. God knows that if you eat from this fruit, you're going to be like him. He's stirring their emotions. He's stirring their emotions. He's playing with their emotions. Why? You know, the devil will try to rattle you in the area of your emotions. Because when we get emotional, we step out of order, and rather than the mind and the emotions reasoning together, the emotions get so wound up, so stirred up, we leap before we think, we react emotionally without having consulted also with our mind. And so he stirs them up with the spirit of offense. Listen, you need to understand that same spirit of offense comes to you. He comes to all of us. And he will stir you up and cause you to take offense. Do you know people took offense at Jesus all the time? How many of you think Jesus was offensive? But they took offense at him all the time. It's a spirit inciting people's emotions. And the intellect's not always involved. Sometimes it's involved, but he'll stir you up emotionally. And in life, the enemy wants to stir you up emotionally. Did you see the way she looked at me? Huh? Huh? Did you see the way she looked? I know what she's thinking. I know where she's going. I, 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 I can feel it. I can feel it. Daggers. And we start taking offense. And the other person, they don't even know that they looked at us. Eve 
Satan engineered this conversation to get Adam and Eve to take offense at God so that they respond emotionally without thinking. He's appealing to the soul, not to their spirit. Your spirit is always designed to obey God. Your spirit is always designed to relate to God, have relationship with God. Goodness will come out of your spirit. So he's, there is a divine order. You're meant to be spirit, and your spirit is meant to influence your soul, and your spirit is meant to influence your body. Your spirit listens to the Holy Spirit, so your spirit is in submission to God and His Spirit, And your soul is meant to be influenced by your spirit, which is influenced by the Holy Spirit. And your flesh or your body is meant to be influenced by the above. But he he bysteps the spirit of man and he talks to their soul and he stirs up their emotion. The enemy does that to us all the time. And he tries to get us emotionally wound up. Am I preaching to anybody here? How many of you experience this, right? Same stuff in the beginning. This is the pattern. And how many of you know when you get stirred up emotionally, it's the beginning of something. And it usually isn't very pretty. Okay? So he, he appealed to the emotions, and then he appealed to the intellect. He said, God doesn't want you to know everything he knows. There's more to know He appealed to their mind. Adam and Eve were tempted to go beyond the knowledge that God opened up to them. You notice when they ate from the tree, their eyes were opened. They already had the knowledge of good. Now their eyes are opened by the knowledge of evil. You see... In your soul and in your body, <laughs> we, we see and hear out of our body. We see and hear perception from our mind. And sometimes it's colored by prejudice and it's colored by things we've experienced and it's colored by things that we've heard. And we see and we hear out of our soul. This is the first time they started to see out of their soul and out of their body. Prior to that, they were, their body and soul was seeing out of their spirit. Hello? And this is why the prophet said about people, he said they have eyes but they don't see. They're seeing out of the eyes of flesh. They're seeing out of the, the eyes of their intellect and out of their, their skewered emotions. But the intellect and the emotions are so skewered or so damaged, they can't see or hear out of their spirit. How many of you want to start to live out of your spirit and start hearing things from the Spirit of God? How many of you want to start walking there? Listen, this is about you stepping into the supernatural and living supernaturally tight with God, tight in your spirit with God, okay? I didn't do this stuff that happened before. It's not because, oh, he's a holy man. No, well, you know what? I am, but so are you. We are holy in Christ. And when we learn to live from our spirit, we are open to spirit knowledge. The wonderful thing about the spirit of God and your spirit, it'll always be right. The sad truth about your soul 
and your body, and sometimes it'll do good, sometimes it'll do bad. Hello? Amen. Here. When their eyes were opened, the soul and the body became aware of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to show you something. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Anybody have an orange tree in their backyard? How many have an orange? Keep your hand up. How many of you have a lemon tree? Tangerine tree. All right. Have you ever gone to any of those citrus trees and pulled off an apple? You recognize a tree by the fruit that it bears, right? Isn't it interesting that he says that, and he says people don't pick figs from thorn bushes, so he's using language of the kind of plants and trees that were there. I'm using language of the kind of plants and trees that are here in Florida. And so he says people don't pick pick figs, (laughs) pick pigs, from thorn bushes. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You pick grapes from vines. So if we were here in Florida, he would be saying uh, people don't pick apples from citrus trees. You don't get grapefruits from cherry trees. That's what he's saying. You recognize the tree by the fruit that it's bearing. Interesting, what kind of tree did Adam and Eve eat from? What kind of tree was it? Don't say apple. (laughs) The knowledge, the fruit on this tree was the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Well, you know what? They already had the knowledge of good. They just added the knowledge of evil. Yuck, 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 yuck. I don't want that fruit. I'm already dealing with the aftertaste from years ago of bad knowledge that I got into my soul. Hello? Turn to somebody and say, isn't that the truth? But watch this here. Watch this. So he says each tree is recognized by its fruit. We're looking at the garden. What kind of tree? The fruit on the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. Look at the next part of the verse. There it is. (laughs) A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, his soul. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's what gets us in trouble. Listen, Adam and Eve's spirit did not obey Satan. Their soul trumped their spirit and got into the game. They were stirred in their emotions. They stepped out of their spirit. Their emotions were stirred out of order. Divine order was being broken left, right, and center. And they got stirred in their emotions and they were enticed to have knowledge that God didn't open up to them. Whippy doodad, after that, their eyes were open to a whole world of sin. Everybody say, shut those doors, shut those doors. Don't want to see it. Okay? So, and, and then she saw that the fruit was good for food, good for the body. 
So spirit, soul, and body. Spirit says, uh-uh, not going there. Soul says, step aside. This is my show. And the body says, yum, I like this. I want some too. The knowledge of good and evil, stay with me, has tainted humanity in the realm of his soul and his body. And so Jesus says, you recognize a tree by the fruit it bears. And out of the soul comes good and evil. You have the potential for good things in your soul, but you also have the potential for some real ugly things in your soul. Your body has the potential to do good things, but your body also has the potential to do ugly stuff. Can I tell you something? That even though man fell, his soul and his body became tainted with a nature of sin because whom you submit yourself to, you become a servant or a slave to. So they submitted to the word of the serpent rather than the word of God, and their soul and their body became tainted by a nature similar to that of the serpent, Satan. Hello? What died in the garden? Number one, death came into the world that was never there before, but man's spirit became dormant. It became overpowered and overshadowed by a soul and a body that's tainted with knowledge of good and evil. The more we recognize how your soul, everyone's soul speaks different things and manifests in different ways. And as we go through this series, and I'm wrapping up, as we go through this series, I'm wrapping up for today, uh, as we go through this series, the Holy Ghost will start to help you recognize the voice of your soul and, and how it speaks different languages, so to speak. And as you start to recognize what triggers the bad part of your soul, you can conscientiously say what Adam and Eve didn't say. Adam and Eve should have said to their soul. You notice the verse I gave you earlier? It says, he will reason within his soul. You need to reason within your soul and say, soul, be quiet. I'm not going to listen to you. Emotions, be quiet. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to my spirit, which always obeys the Spirit of God. It says about the little boy, John the Baptist, this is what it says, and he grew in spirit. It says about the little boy, Jesus, and he grew in spirit and in stature. Your spirit can grow. And too often our soul is so large, it's larger than life, and our spirit is so small. But as we learn to bring the soul in obedience to our spirit, which is always in obedience to the spirit of God, we will not hear from the soul as loudly. Remember, the soul includes all the hurt, all the trauma, all the wounds, all the bruises, all the lies, the, the belief systems that don't line up with God, they're in your soul. 
the knowledge of good, but also the knowledge of evil. And as we learn to recognize when our soul is talking, we can say, no, 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 not going there, not going there. I'm going to let my spirit lead. And what will happen is your spirit will grow and your soul will become in subjection to your spirit as your spirit follows the Lord. How many of you ever said, oh, I wish I could hear God? Be honest. Come on, put your hand up. How many of you ever said that? So does God. He says, I wish you could hear me. I'm speaking, but you don't hear me. And this whole series is extremely relevant to you. It's extremely relevant because conflict and all the issues and all the fear and all the anxiety and all the rejection and all the anguish and all the rage and all the temptation and the lust and all of that stuff comes out of the knowledge of good and evil in our soul and in our body. Where does conflict come from? It rages from within us. But as we recognize the soul, we can say, no, 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 that's my ugly face. I'm not putting my ugly face on. How many of you girls, come on, just humor me a little bit. How many of you girls in the morning, just three minutes before you go out that front door, you're about to go to work, you're having a business, an important business meeting to uh, uh, meet with somebody, and you deliberately take your fake eyelashes and put them on just above your lip. And you take your lipstick and you circle it around your eyes like that little dog on the Target ads. How many of you do that? You don't do that. You know why you don't do that? I'm going to tell you why you don't do that. And this isn't a word of knowledge. You don't do it because you want to put on your best face. I'm driving down the road. I watch some women, are, they're driving and they're still putting on their face. Uh, you just told me you do it. All right. So uh, that's all right. Most of us are like the rest of us. We want to put on our, you put lipstick on while you're driving? <laughs> we want to put on our best face. And your best face is going to be living from your spirit. Because your soul is damaged goods. And I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. I'm going to prove it to you. And I am winding up. Watch this. Jesus said it. Here's a scripture that we never understand. Paul, we were talking about this the other day. God gave me further revelation on it, all right? So watch this here. Matthew 26, verse 41, and Matthew 14, verse 30, 38, both say exactly the same thing. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The word flesh is sarkos, sarkis, and it's different than body, soma. Body is always this. Flesh, sarkis, occasionally is this. Usually, it's human nature. And the human nature is fallen. Everybody, look at me. Ever since the fall, all the nature of earth is fallen. When I was a kid, I used to love watching those nature shows. I used to love watching Wild Kingdom and, and those different animal shows. And you'd watch how the, the lionesses would, would uh, 
uh, get out there and there's a gazelle and they're looking for the weakest one and the lion would roar, the tribe is, the herd is startled, they all start running and the lionesses, they go after the weak one and they kill it, they eat it, they bring it home and they feed it to the lion. Good girls. Uh-oh. My soul just got me in trouble. <laughs> we think, oh, that's nature. No, it's not. That's fallen nature. Because at the restoration of all things, when Satan's no longer the God of this world, at the restoration of all things, the lion and the lamb will lay down together. That's fallen nature. You know when, uh, the, what spider is it? When the male and the female mate, the female turns around and bites his head off? Sort of happens in life, doesn't it? <laughs> she kills him. God didn't design that. God didn't design death. That's fallen nature. And what we just take for granted as nature, it is nature, it's fallen nature. It is tainted because the master of the earth surrendered his title to another master, the whole earth. That's why in Romans 8 it says, Creation is groaning in anxious expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. They're waiting for the restoration of all things again. Sorry, it's Bible. I'm just preaching Bible. So the, here, when it speaks of flesh, it's the word sark, and it, it, it speaks of the fallen human nature, which is both the soul and the body. Your soul and your body were the two things that fell in agreement in the garden, and they were tainted. Your spirit will always hear from God. Your spirit. Listen, the sooner we start to live from the spirit, the sooner our prayers will always hit dead on target and we will hear from God and we'll make a lot more right decisions than wrong decisions. How many of you want to go with me to the realm of the Spirit? Amen. Come on. Absolutely. When we're living from the Spirit, fear doesn't control us. That's in the soul. It's in the fallen soul. When we live from our Spirit, inferiority and rejection won't control you. Depression comes from things that have been imprinted on you from childhood. And uh, I talked last week about atmosphere, and Spirit lives in atmosphere. And, 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 and stuff will trigger you and bring about an atmosphere that we call depression, but it goes way back to stuff early in our life. That's in your soul. I want to tame the beast and live from the lion of the tribe of Judah. Can I get agreement here? Amen. Thank you, Manny. Just for that, you can come back next week. Okay, so watch this here. Let's go back to the other screen. It says the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That word willing, put it up, the word willing, prothousmos, and it means willing, ready, and eager. But it means more than that. Let's go to helps word studies. It means this, watch this, this is really cool. You ready? Your spirit can never get off target. It means your spirit is predisposed, positively inclined, enthusiastically willing, eager, ready to go. It's free, not weighed down by pre-existing presets, objections, or resistance. Hence, it's willing and it is spontaneously generous. Yes! Yeah.
The spirit is always on target with God. I want to go to my spirit and live out of my spirit and follow the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? The flesh, which always speaks of human nature, which has fallen, the realm of your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions, the mind, the emotions, the will, and your body, the flesh is weak. Let's look at that word weak. Asthenes, without strength, weak physically or morally, infirm, sick, feeble, impotent, it's broken. The knowledge of good and evil, both. Sometimes your soul will do good things. Can you love out of your soul? Yes, you can. Can you be kind out of your soul? Yes, you can. And you can also be downright nasty out of your soul. But in your spirit, look, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is the, also the fruit that's in your spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, kindness, gentleness, patience, long-suffering. All of that beautiful stuff that every man says, God, please put that in my wife. <laughs> and every wife says, ditto him. Okay? But, but that's what your spirit looks like. And I could give you a ton of scriptures to prove it, but your spirit isn't fallen. Your soul and your flesh is fallen. And if we're going to put on our best face, and if you ladies who wear, well, none of you do that, but anyway, I mean, if, if we were to take artificial eyelashes and stick them on top of our lips, it wouldn't be our best face now, would it? No. We want to put on our best face. And your best face is living from your spirit. And I'm going to show you how to go there. And I'm going to show you how to recognize your soul so that you're not living out of your worst face, you're living out of your best face with Jesus by your side. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's stand. I didn't really finish, but I finished. I do have some notes out the front if you want them. If you don't want them, that's fine. Um, those that I've asked to pray, will you start coming down the front, please, quickly? Thank you. Over the next few weeks, next week in particular, I'm going to touch more on the soul. Listen to me. You struggle with depression? I'm going to believe God with you. And I'm going to ask my team to be praying and fasting. But the spirit of depression and the root of depression will be exposed and revealed so that you get set free. I know what depression's like. Thank God. I'm, I used to have high highs and low lows. Really low lows. If you're familiar with the personality that, that knows how to have real extreme highs, you'll know that they also have extreme lows. I, I was it. I used to have high highs and extreme lows. The valleys have been leveled out, but I still go to the mountaintops, hallelujah. Do I come off the mountain sometimes? Sure I do, but I don't sink in the valleys. And so the spirit of oppression, depression, we're going to be breaking that off of you over the next few weeks. 
God will start to reveal things both in your heart and maybe even through us as we pray for you. Wounds and bruises. Listen, Jesus came. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. I could, I, I could just have every Sunday and preach you a little story that'll make you giggle, make you smile, and tell you some little gem of inspiration, and we all go home, and we had a real happy, clappy time in church. Or we can do what Jesus came to do and get to the nuts and the bolts and get rid of some of the nuts. <laughs> Father, forgive me, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Deal with the soul. Every one of us have struggles. I do. My soul still wants to flare up from time to time. I've learned how to silence it more and more and step into the Spirit. And the beauty is when I step into the Spirit, whoa. You start to hear and see the things that come from God's heart, not the things that come from Satan's heart. Oh, that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. Turn to somebody and say, that's a good place to be. Now turn to them and say, I'm going there. Come on, say it. Make it your confession. I'm going there. See, it's my job to raise the church up, to raise the standard of the church so that we're not always needy, we're not always wimpy, you know. It's my job to raise you up so that you in yourself are battling ram, knocking down the gates of hell, standing on the edge of the universe with the sun and speaking the will of God and watching the Holy Spirit change the landscape and recreate. I get to be the coach and I get to watch you live from your spirit and move in the spirit. Setting the captives free. Amen. I hope you come with me next Sunday and the Sunday after that. We're on a journey. I woke up the other day and God was just there. He was in my face. I didn't see him with my eyes. He's downloading information to me. It happened twice this week. Twice. One was for the prayer meeting for Saturday. That was just the other day, but earlier in the week. It's just downloading stuff. So cool when you're in the Spirit. And he said to me, Rob, your church is moving into revival. I'm taking you there. But if people don't learn how to step out of their soul, it'll hold the revival down. He said, I'm going to lead you in a teaching so that people will be able to step out of their soul and into their spirit and rise to new heights. He said, if they don't learn what their soul sounds like, we can touch revival, but their soul will pull them back. And he gave me an analogy. He gave me a picture. I saw this picture. How many of you ever played with a pinball machine? Put your hand up. Come on, put your hand up. I know we got soft music, but that's okay. Put your hand up. You played with a pinball machine, right? And he said, the soul makes us like the pinball in the pinball machine. There are landmines. There are hot buttons. There are trip wires. And there are triggers in the soul. And the enemy causes life to happen around us so that it's 
pushing the hot buttons, pulling the trigger, causing us to stumble across a tripwire or land flat on a landmine. So that we're like that pinball and all of a sudden the emotions and the mind get scary and we start getting thrown around left, right, and center. And we're, before you know, we don't even recognize who we just acted like. And we're going to learn how to leave that behind so that we become people who live by the Spirit. Tony, you want to go there with me? Kevin, you want to go there with me? Guys, come on. Come on. Ladies, Linda, you want to go there with me? Mr. Dominion, you want to go there with me? Tony, you want to go there with me? How about uh, Mark, you want to go there with me? Jeremy, you want to go there with me? Lois, see, I know your name too. And Hannah. See, good can come out of the mind. Good can come out of the soul. But sometimes bad can come out of there. I want to live from my good place. And your good place will always be your best place. And your best place will always be your happiest place. Amen. And Father, I pray. I do. And people will see beyond me. Whether they like my style or my personality, they'll see beyond that. And they'll see you and see your word and see truth. I pray, Holy Spirit, because you have anointed me and you've anointed us just like Jesus to bind up the brokenhearted, even the brokenhearted in us, to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. I thank you, Jesus, for this purpose you were made manifest to destroy all the works of the enemy. And I thank you that the brokenness in our soul is going to just drop off of us like an old coat. And we're going to know what it is to live in the Spirit and by your Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. The altar is open. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, they're going to pray with you. Hear me. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, whoa. Remember I said Genesis is the beginning? This is the beginning of everything. You've got to ask Jesus in your heart. It's not about religion. You could come here the rest of your life. This building and my teaching by itself won't take you to heaven. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus, spirit to spirit. If you've never been born again, if you don't know what that means, if you're not saved, you don't understand that lingo, if you're not convinced beyond all doubt that you're going to heaven, you need to be born again. Most likely. While every eye is closed, if you're not born again, put your hand up. Nice and tall. Come on, put it up. If that's you, you want to ask Jesus in your heart right now before we go, I'm going to pray with you real quick. Right across this auditorium. Anyone? Last week I missed a lady. Jan had to bring her out the front. She was really short. She had a hand up the whole time and I didn't see her. So I'm going to stand up on a chair. Anybody? <laughs> Amen. Well, Father, bless them as they go in Jesus' name. And as they go out the front, those who want prayer, I thank you. I come into agreement with these workers that every bondage will be broken, every chain severed, that people will be healed, set free, 
miracles and answers to prayers will come in Jesus' name so that people will see your glory, how good you are, how beautiful you are. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Come. The Holy Ghost is going to take us to our best place.